wow, all of a sudden God is not this Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is this mother, child, and the space between. Mm. And that's a Trinity. Mm. And all of a sudden there's so much more room for what God could be and who I could be in relation to God. And so it just became, it just naturally allowed more space for me to go back and know, actually I've always been a person who's been highly spiritual and that's been important to me. And intuition's always been important to me. And sacred texts are important to me. And all these pieces that I thought I needed to throw out now could have more room because I had more space for them. Because I think we had I'd cultivated curiosity in, yeah. in me. Hey, everybody. Welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less certain and more curious life. I'm Scott, and for the second week in a row at the beginning of the podcast, I am without Mace uh, because Mace is at work, and I'm recording this in the middle of the day, uh, and Mace is working. (laughs) Uh, But Mace gets two weeks off of work sometime soon, I think, and maybe we'll be able to do some pretty fun things for No Small Thing then. But um, anyways... I just want to pop on here at the very beginning to explain what you're about to listen to, because this is a really cool and unique episode. Um, So in this episode, we were interviewed for a different podcast called Barefoot to Emmaus, and that's hosted by two of our friends, Byron and Char. And we just thought, uh, you know, we're going to be interviewed for their podcast, but um, why don't we just use it for our podcast, too? I think we're allowed to do that. (laughs) Well, we have their permission for sure, but... uh, I thought for our podcast and for our purposes, it was a really cool opportunity because they essentially interviewed Mace and me, Mace and me, um, about curiosity. And so if you've followed along in the podcast for a while now, every once in a while, we'll actually try to talk about this mission or this vocation of curiosity. And it's just Mace and me talking. Mace and I, (laughs) what's the proper grammar? Um, And this was a chance for two of our friends to interview us about curiosity and what what it brought up for Mace and me was really interesting. Like, obviously, when I start talking and when I start popping off about curiosity, I'm curious about what comes up for me. And then, of course, Mace said so many cool things that uh, just made me think about what we're trying to do here as a podcast, what we see the future of No Small Thing being, um, how we think curiosity applies to what we're trying to do in the podcast, and also almost recapping what we've done so far with No Small Thing. So, uh, I hope I hope it's a great opportunity. I hope you enjoyed as much as we did. It, it really was just kind of being curious about curiosity and, and what No Small Thing is all about. And briefly, just so you know a little bit about um, Byron and Char, who are interviewing us, and this is the podcast. So I, I do highly recommend that you check out um, Byron and Char's podcast. It has No Small Thing vibes. It is long, meandering conversations, usually um, more specifically honing in on theological issues. So it's a little bit more theological theologically oriented than No Small Thing, but uh, here's a bio from their website. Uh, It says, before starting at Princeton Theological Seminary, Byron and Char made a commitment to curiosity in the questions of their faith. No strangers themselves to edgy and intriguing theological discourse, they felt a podcast would be an excellent way to chew on the fruit of their academic endeavors while weaving in the thoughts and perspectives they've picked up along the way. 
Their hope is to pick you up along the way for the theological journey of a lifetime. Uh, so if that uh, sounds intriguing at all to you, I would highly encourage you to check out their podcast. If you like No Small Thing, I'm pretty sure you like Barefoot to Emmaus. And I guess I would also say that if you're the type of person that listens to No Small Thing and likes are more like faith-based slash theologically oriented episodes, then definitely um, Byron and Char's podcast would be for you. And Mason and I go out of our way to say that this is not a Christian podcast, although we touch on those themes uh, often. But um, I I think Byron and Char would say that they are a Christian podcast. Um, So highly encourage you to check that out. But again, this episode was an episode for Byron and Char's podcast that we're using for our podcast. So anyways, it was a really, I'm, I'm, I'm not being hyperbolic here. It was one of my favorite discussions we've ever had. And maybe it's because Mace and I enjoyed the process of being interviewed. Um, but anyways, next week we will be back with an episode on scapegoating. Um, our series of non-Enneagram uh, modalities, I guess, or concepts continues um so that that will be next week but anyways uh i'll stop talking and here is our um, episode or our interview with barefoot to emmaus i hope you enjoy Welcome back to Barefoot to Emmaus. This is Char. And this is Byron. For tonight, we are joined by some very special guests who are actually show hoax. They're also podcast hosts. Oh, Host- maybe? Hoax. They're <laughs> the hoax. They're yeah. the real deal. <laughs> the folks. <laughs> the folks. So we're joined by Scott Gronholtz mm-hmm. and Mace mm-hmm. Mooney, who are hosts of our beloved sister podcast, No Small Thing. More I like, like that. I like beloved that. sister. I, I like to be a sister this. podcast. Yes. Yeah. Not a mama podcast. Older mama? sister. Older, older, sister. older sibling. Showing us the ropes. <laughs> Showing us the ropes. <laughs> and if the sound quality sounds a little different, oh the reason gosh. why is <laughs> it's worlds different, y'all. We're over here at their studio. This is a whole <laughs> studio <laughs> setup over here. My living room. <laughs> so, y'all. I'm really curious. Do you want to share just a little word about what got you going? Because I think uh, for our theme tonight, it's going to be related to that sense of passion that drove you into the podcast world. What got us going? Friendship? Uh, friendship. Uh, I think f- kindred spirits. Kindred mm-hmm. spirits. That would be the right word because you didn't think we were friends. Right. Yeah, a no, year no. into the podcast. Fighting yeah, words. You know, mm. you know, we're just reality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fight. It's true. I didn't think we were friends. I, I thought we had like a a really nice, warm acquaintance, uh, professional relationship going. Wow. <laughs> we would have liked to be friends. And but Mace, you specifically did feel? Oh, yeah. I was okay. like, we were, of course, our friends. Okay. But we never talked and about this. And I think Scott secretly, secretly thought, but just was... No, secretly wanted. Mm. But sec- there it is. I secretly thought that we weren't friends. Mm, there it is. <laughs> maybe, maybe I publicly implied that and tried to act as if we were friends. But I would say what happened with Mace and me is that we would find ourselves in places getting... Um, locked into a long conversation about a myriad of things, whether it was mm. philosophy or theology or art or music. and Or doors or whatever <laughs> anything. it was. Doors. Anything random. <laughs> or chips. Yeah, and then yeah, people chips. would say, you should start a podcast. And it oh. was like kind of a funny thing of, I feel like that's a modern thing to say to people if they enjoy talking to each other. Mm. I don't, it's just sort of well, a... Well, maybe start a podcast. Yeah, and, and then Maddie, who lives here, was the one that said, let's actually try. And mm. it was so fun. Mm-hmm. Um. And so the premise, I think, was 
long meandering conversations, and then it took some we, more form. Right. So it was we we called it no small thing, and the the idea of that it was our two titles were potentially everything is interesting, mm. or no small thing, and we stuck with no small thing, and it's essentially this idea of nothing's too small to be talked about. Yeah. So invite once a week, almost like a practice of sorts, a conversation where we put a topic on the table and say anything goes with this topic it's not too small to be talked about. And our original tagline was inviting you to live a less cynical, more Ooh. curious life. Mm. Um, and then we shifted to We started being, to believe in the power of cynicism. Yeah, mm. we were like, well, we, we, we stand <laughs> with cynicism. And we stand with certainty. It's like, it's not like less certain. It's not no certainty, all curiosity. It's right. less certain, more curious. That's yes. that's kind of our mission. You need and to clarify that for people. I, yeah, because some people are like, "Well, we have to have some certainty." It's like, yeah, sure, we have some ground points, but I think both Scott and I believe that, at least in North American culture, our own experience that there is um, potentially toxic certainty in mm. the air, mm. and so we and 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 I think I'll speak for myself, but I have experienced in my own soul mm. a drive towards certainty in a way that has hindered me from learning, from growth, from care, from all kinds of things. What would you describe as the source of that drive? Mm, 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 mm. We're getting into it. I think basic a sur- great question. I think like me. survival. Mm, like I probably. think I think protection. Like I think certainty in many ways is is a very safe thing. Like I, I immediately what comes to my mind is the defense mechanism of splitting, which mm. I don't know if you've know much about Yep. What? Let's give a little quick recap here. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Splitting. So, like, we have all kinds of defenses and ways that as we're growing and coming into the world, we make sense of it. We okay. categorize it. We, we try and function in it. And there's this idea that we split things often. So if something's ambiguous, that's really hard to hold. Like, amb- ambiguous things... Are, are tense, they have tension in our body, mm. it's hard to make sense of. And so at a very young age, literally from infancy, we start doing what is often considered splitting. So taking what's ambiguous, because look at this fucking world, it's, are my allowed to curse Yeah, go for it, fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> this, this world is complex and ambiguous and mysterious and dynamic and contains multitudes and all these things, and that's a whole lot. That's that's a lot to hold. Mm. And so we start to create splits in our minds of saying this is all bad or all good or this is this black and white almost in a way that drives certainty as a way to make sense of things. Mm. So splits are like dichotomies. Yeah, kind of like dichotomies. Exactly. And so we start to create and form patterns of certainties and we get into ruts Mm. of certainties Mm. of sorts. And the world is just simply not that way. Yeah. And I, I am not against splitting. As of late, I've been like, well, splitting's really necessary. And it's good. like a survival mechanism. It's a survival, too. but I it's think efficient. that that's. I yeah. think that there there comes a point where, well, that served a certain point, and it will continue to serve me. Mm. But, but I think, I want. I think I wonder that gets in the way of curiosity, and yeah. that certainty can. It, it, safety is beautiful also play like it's like once you feel safe you can go play so we're not we're not shaming the survival practice we're allowing ourselves to grow past that Mm. i don't even know if growing past is the right way i would describe it more of expand Mm. because i think you will always still have these things um yeah i don't know it's it's really important because i mean we have used defense mechanisms to 
enter into curiosity. So mm-hmm. we, we, that's part of our, our topics have been going through all these defense mechanisms. I love that. Yeah. And so I think, I think in the early days I, I was thinking of that language, like, Oh, we, we got to address this. So I, I don't split anymore. You will always split mm-hmm. and you'll split in ways that are, are not, a, a readily apparent to you. Mm-hmm. It's not clear how you're splitting. You're just doing it. Mm-hmm. But if you can try um, to approach a conversation and notice when you're splitting and that's something, but, mm-hmm. but it is all survival. Like we wouldn't be able to just survive out in the world without our defense, without our defense mechanisms. Yeah. And I think certainty keeps us, I think certainty is a good thing, but when we make a God of certainty or we're, we can't, we become so dead set on certainty, then we, we lose sight of the present and we can lose sight of wonder mm. and curiosity. So, so what do wonder and curiosity offer us? Hmm, these are great. I want you to answer this first. <laughs> what do wonder and curiosity offer us? I mean, I, I go back to this thing I used to do with like, I've, I've been married for 20 years and I've done like a lot of marriage counseling. And I would always think about this idea of like the wingman, mm. wing person, wing human. Mm-hmm. And it is so funny to me when like friends and spouses and people in relationship with each other, I guess in the early days, I'm, I'm 41 everybody, but in the early days of my sort of being married and talking to like, we're like, Oh, we're going to go out with other couples now. We're going to get to know couples, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's always this thing of bad wingman, you know, like, like so many times. And I found it to be so boring and goofy. Like it was just so, the regular rhythm of a conversation with a new couple of like you sit down and the people go, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. The traffic was so bad. It took us an extra 40 minutes to get here. And the wife would go 38 minutes. And you're like, and they, and they'd be like, no, 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 no. It was like 41 actually. And, and I'm like, why, why? Like why? And That's in that hilarious. moment, curiosity and wonder, and it sounds low stakes, but it isn't because it's a, like a lifestyle. Like, I mean, I, I wouldn't want anybody to miss, perceive exactly what we're talking about in the sense of like, we're not scientists. Yeah. Although science is great. Like we're not, we're not doing like a hypothesis and testing it out and doing this like rigid. We're talking about like a posture of like, okay, so what happens when your spouse or friend or anybody that, you know, says something that seems off to you Mm -hmm. instead of immediately going to correct it with some toxic certainty being like, I wonder why they think it's 38 minutes. I thought it was 40 and it's, What's going on with and me? And I wonder why I need to correct them. Right. I wonder why I need to correct them. I wonder what would be a helpful thing to bring into this space. I wonder what would set the tone for the evening in terms of like me having a good night. And, and I, I mean, I think too, it's this idea of there is a lot of internal wondering, you know, it's not just external wondering you know, you look out and you see the universe and the stars and all the things that we could talk about in terms of society. And, but like I heard a metaphor one time, about like how humans tend to, and this I guess is even more pertinent now with all these billionaires going into space, hmm. tend to want to push out and look out and talk about like aliens from outer space. And then somebody would say, we don't want to look at the alien from inner space hmm. mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. inward. So that space is actually more explored than the sea because the sea is really scary yeah. and it represents our internal worlds. Mm-hmm. And so That's like, good. I mean... It's so funny that in that situation, as low stakes it is, as it is, it's a way of living where you're just always correcting and always having unnecessary rigidity and fights and tension. And it's just like, I think I always have this feeling for no small thing of like clenched fists. I'm like, I'm like holding my own hands, everybody, like really clenched tight. And I would like the practice of wonder and curiosity to like just loosen the grip a little bit. 
you know, just loosen. Uh, so I think it creates wonder and curiosity. Um, curiosity creates the curiosity. Yeah, well, le- less true. tension, <laughs> less less tension, more thriving. I don't know. I I have this this phrase that I think was going to sound potentially. I, I I think it sounds slightly pretentious saying this, but I'm going to risk it. Let's see. Let's see. Let's hear it. I think <laughs> I think there's this piece of me that thinks being curious invites the real. Mm. Um. Because I think I said this earlier, like the world is not easily understandable. It just simply is not. And certainty convinces us that we can maybe make sense of things and understand them and get to the bottom of them. I certainly still have that in me wanting to do that. But curiosity has really challenged and opened me up to engage more with what's happening and be open to what could happen. I think it creates an openness when you can have a curious posture, there's a lot more that can happen. There's a lot more potential for what can happen in a space when you're entering into it with curiosity. Like, I think even just in conversation, you know, like if if I'm unable to be curious as what else is going on when, I don't know, I, I don't have a metaphor at the top of my head. But like, I think being curious in myself and with others and with the world just allows a lot more um, ability to engage with the multiplicity, ability to engage with the complexity of things. Mm. And that to me feels like it's helpful and that that is the way the world is. Yeah. Mm. Oh, inviting the real. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hearing a lot of this idea of dialectics of things that seemingly can't fit together being Mm -hmm. fit together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I imagine a spectrum where we have the binary, let's say the black and white, and then everything in between, it's not just that those are some points on a line, but that it's actually a mix of black and white, a mix of those two ends that somehow fit together in Mm -hmm. a way that we can't really understand. And it's when we explore that that we find the gray. Yeah, I think so. And I think, like, I'm... I think probably both of us, but like I'm very intrigued by paradoxes mm-hmm. and think that there's a lot of truth that lies in paradoxes. I mean, I think in Christian language, what's it, like a rightful paradox? That's ortho paradox. Ortho paradox. Like that's that to me. I always feel like when we were, when you're talking about a paradox, we're really close to something that feels very true. Mm. And I think curiosity so has has allowed a lot more room for the ability to walk a tightrope of paradoxes and to be okay walking the tightrope, you know? Usually when people hear paradox, they think impossibility. And you're saying that's actually the closest thing to reality. That's wild. I think so. That's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, like, um, I think when you say that, it's, 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 I, I think we're like, it's a project. It's a curiosity project. Like, we're mm-hmm. learning. Oh, and I think yeah, what we want to say is we've set the we've set the mission, we've set the vision of like less certain, more curious, and then and then it's like how do we model that? And that's I sort I think the podcast it's a practice, but then there's another thing of I think in terms of our long term career goals or vocational goals of like offering tools, very practical tools that would help people get curious, mm. and um, one of them is dreams, mm. and one of the reasons is. You, you see um, perceivably 
nonsensical juxtapositions in dreams, relationships <laughs> next to each other, <laughs> things that sense. don't belong. But then you're like, wait, but it was there in the dream. Hmm. I can, con- my mind can conceive it. Yeah. My waking mind says, no, that's nonsense. But my dream just showed me that it isn't. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, so I think that's, I think that's just the play state. It's the curiosity state. Like what we do a lot of dream logging. There's another, I mean, dreams are, are interesting in, in a similar way that uh, you're, your brain is not rational. You know, right. Optical illusions are similar. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter what. I mean, you could you could have a seizure, and your brain will have to make sense of it. Yes, because that's its job. Yes, not to. Yeah. And so, curiosity in the face of what is going on seems like it is more, actually, more practical in some ways. Actually, more productive, closer to the real, than to say like, oh, it was exactly this neuron that's firing because of exactly right. this this input that. Yeah. yeah, you're recognizing the brain's desire or need to make sense of things, and you're saying, "Hold on, one second. You're sort of, I guess, maybe a little bit over overriding those instinctual things, at mm. least for survival. You're like, "Thank you, brain." Mm-hmm. Like I heard, um, who wrote Big Magic? It doesn't really matter. It does Elizabeth matter. Gilbert? Elizabeth Gilbert. I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. It does <laughs> matter who wrote uh, Big Magic. But um, she had this really sweet thing where she was talking about talking to her fear mm. and that she would she pictured her fear being this like very strong like bouncer figure who's outside the bar like keeping people out and she would go into her writing room and she would say she would she would picture fear following in to the writing room and she'd be like very tenderly like you have protected me my whole life thank you so much i yeah. love you yeah i don't need you for this you can wait outside right you know i don't you, you don't need your protection right now actually i actually need to not have fear in the room, mm. you know? So, and I love that. It's like, yeah, we have these instinctual things, defense mechanisms splitting. They have kept us alive. And then we can create containers as we like to say, where we say for this, we're trying to bypass that and, and, and see what happens. We don't even know I, the idea of a goal. Even I know going back to even science and like the idea of like a proven hypothesis. It's like, we're not even, we, we don't even set out with a goal. We're, we're very, like, honestly, this project is also like, well, we're curious what unfolds when we try and sit down and be curious once a week. <laughs> you know? like, true. Who's to say what unfolds with that? Yeah. And, like, it's interesting what themes, like, themes have emerged and mm-hmm. things have arisen as, like, oh, some certain things have started to unfold because of this set container of curiosity yeah. once a week. You feel like that's unpacking the deeper parts of yourselves in that way of like what you start to meander towards or gravitate towards? Yeah. It's interesting. I was just thinking in my head, I I think it goes, I I see it in three parts. I see it as interpersonally, intrapersonally. So like existing between two people and then like kind of expanding out, looking more like group society, larger, you know, into the the big Mm -hmm. world. But I think, for us, it does probably mostly, I think, especially because it's like a, mostly just the two of us having a conversation, although we have lots of interviews. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it has been both this place, and I think it's because we're both committed to it with each other, where I there's this phrase that I really love. It's from, it does matter, but I can't remember his name. Oh, Bateson. Bateson. Mm-hmm. I Everybody? forget his first name. Shout but, out uh, and many credits to Bateson. It, it takes two to know one. Mm-hmm. And that's been a really interesting thing of this podcast of we've done a lot of topics that are, yeah, like this idea of kind of turning inward with our curiosity, like looking at the the inner 
interpersonal. Is that the right word for that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't and, <laughs> and so I think that that's been, I think it's been, that's been a very big through line of our curiosity is how can we be more like self-curious, curious with ourselves and invite grace into the room with ourselves and being mm. curious. Like, I think that's another piece that's emerged with curiosity is it helps you to hopefully take things less seriously, which is a, something that Scott always says is like, this is so serious. Like ourselves and how mm. we think of ourselves is so serious. We need to be playful about it. I love that. And paradox. Right. <laughs> no, exactly. And so it's like this, this thing of through our topics and then through just the, the fact that we have this mantra, like it lives in our bones of like lesser and more curious. Like all it takes is a little click of like, you've been curious about this, right. you know, like all of a sudden I'm getting super frustrated about something and it's like, Oh, like hearing that I'm like, Oh, slow down. Like how can I invite curiosity into this space? And all of a sudden there's a lot more room. Mm. It, yeah. I think it's, mm. it's really interesting how accessible I think curiosity is right mm. i was in counseling in counseling mm. or when i was being trained as a deacon right just talking with people yeah. rather than saying like that doesn't like that's not right. right right to just say i wonder or i'm curious if there's and it automatically mm. takes someone's guard down mm-hmm. yes exactly exactly and it's and like i love that word too it's accessible everybody i feel like it is there. it's like oh if i can walk in and this is your whole thing of like listening if I can sit down and I'm talking with someone and just have the goal of being, I don't need to get in the way of what they're trying to communicate. How can I almost get out of the way with my wondering to allow them? <laughs> like I don't need to get caught up yeah. in right. these pieces that are my own rigid things happening. And it's Man. like, so I can be curious around what's happening for me so I can be present to what's happening for them. That's good. I always, I, I, whenever you start saying things, I'm like, yeah, yeah that's in. really good. <laughs> that's really good. And it's different. We've never interviewed two people at once before, so even I'm just sitting back here of like, do I even ever, do I need to say anything? Like, <laughs> right. y'all, y'all it is kind us. of an odd dynamic, yeah. <laughs> we're really pumped. Like, we really, yeah. we're, we're very passionate about it, obviously. Yeah, we're pumped. I'm there like, is. slow down, Mace. <laughs> yeah. and, and part of, you know, I just want to sit back and, and listen, but then these thoughts come up and I'm like, I'm curious how you yeah. would take it. So Of course. So, I have a question as well. I've been trying to essentially, not in a harmful 1984 kind of style, but in in a different way, to remove the word answer from my vocabulary. Answer. Love that. Um, I mean, largely largely with the leading a Bible study now, it's like kids ask all sorts of questions. And so many times, teenagers want the answer. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I can't give you the answer. Right, right. Right. I can hardly give you an answer. I will give you some responses. Ooh, right. And so that's responses are the word that's, uh, that's replacing that in my mind. I'm wondering, uh, maybe this is more on that, like cynical side of things. Let's get cynical. (laughs) (laughs) Cynical. I like that's like a segment, like a little chime comes in, like Mm -hmm. time for some cynical. (laughs) Because um, we tested the, the the edge of certainty, and we said, like, oh, here's the drawbacks to certainty. Mm-hmm. Oh. I, and I'm curious, because you've probably been talking about this for a year. I wonder, I'm trying to, how do I wrap this up? There are, I feel like there's a certain extent to which curiosity might be a privilege. Mm-hmm. That, like, mm-hmm. to live, yes. to live yes. in the theory mm-hmm. might yes. be, you know, it, it's... 
if I need something real right now, yeah. mm-hmm. then I may not have survival. the space to ask it. Survival, yeah. I may not have the space to ask a question about it. Um, I think that gets to the to the heart of my question. Like, there is there something... Because you're not talking about a curiosity that is endless and oh. ambiguous, you know, for... You said, like, curiosity begets curiosity or something like that. But curiosity also... It's not that it doesn't give you responses. Mm-hmm. It, it's not meant to give you answers, but it's not not giving you responses mm-hmm. to go off of with more curiosity or something. Like, yeah, I don't know. So those two questions. I like, have so many thoughts. The end, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> what, what, is the, what is the end of you curiosity? You go first, Mace. What then, is the end of curiosity? That's a great <laughs> episode. <laughs> and then um, what about like some of the, the privileged theoriness? I have I have a lot of thoughts, and, I, and Scott also does too, so I'll have to let's go, be let's, mindful let's share of some this. thoughts. I think this is something that's emerged in in having this mission of like, again, we aren't saying all curiosity because I think you're right in so many realms of like, yeah, what if what if you before you can get into this headspace of exploration actually need that safety piece? Like, what if you haven't received the safety of the just for an example, the defense mechanism of splitting or what if you haven't received like you don't have the security to go out and play. Like you need to first have find security and gain that. I think this is an interesting thing of like, there's, it seems like there's almost this path of like being certain. And then from that, you can move into curiosity. Mm. I'm just thinking these thoughts. I don't know if I believe them. This is what we do. But another piece that I think has emerged (laughs) in terms of like some, some maybe things that, and maybe I'm taking this too far of like pitfalls of curiosity is I think there's like two different things. Like I think one is being like, honestly, there's a lot of consent involved with curiosity. Like mm. I think there's a little potential, especially around other people's stories and other people's narratives. Mm. Like I've been in classroom settings where it's like, well, I'm just being curious. Mm. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're crossing a boundary with someone and their story and their oh. lived experience. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like a, it's like Tucker Carlson faux cert curiosity right i'm just asking questions right like, and well, you're not like, these no, are ridiculous questions no, like <laughs> i feel like there's there's a sense what did we say contain curiosity we had a word mm, that we wanted to do well, i like contain curiosity Ooh. like like it's I, curiosity if it, if it reaches right. the point of being exploitative or right. like grabbing or like curiosity like i mean thinking about like colonization and thinking about exploration mm. like curiosity drove yeah. that mm-hmm. so like what's that that needs to be checked mm. and who are we being curious around and how are you going about it? And are you being, is it mutual curiosity? Mm. Is it in mutual relation? This is so good. Like that needs to be like consent needs to be involved, especially around curiosity of like people outside of yourself. Because even questions have a certain pointedness Mm -hmm. and and direction to them. Mm -hmm. Like if I ask you, where were you on Friday? You can't say bananas, you know, like there's, there's a limit to the, what, Makes Mace sense. Mace might be able to say that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, Bananas! <laughs> uh, and and yeah. so when a question is being asked, there's a certain part of your story that is being prodded into. Mm-hmm, and that exactly. needs to require consent for it to be you know, a healthy relationship there. Like the fascination that was happening during women's stories during the Me Too campaign. It's like, no. like Exactly. I don't have to tell you this. This doesn't need yeah. to be yeah. exposed. We just need to know that it happened. Yeah. I like this a lot. Uh, <laughs> um, I like this idea of consent. And I also think like, I think what I think you'd agree with me that this is as people that skew 
academic. Like we like heavy quotes, (laughs) academia. Um, I don't want this, what we're doing here with no small thing to be academic. Like this Mm. is everyday curiosity. This is at the dinner table with your friend. This is talking and walking with people you care about. This is living life, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, I do think it is a privilege to be like, if you're more consumed with just survival and like, yeah, we, I want, I want to acknowledge that yeah. what we're asking for probably is a privilege, but I, w- I, I like, I also want to bring defense mechanisms back into it because <laughs> it's in here. <laughs> I think it's important to acknowledge, which is again, I think all, all the clarity around this idea of like, not all curiosity, more curiosity. It's not like you're living mm-hmm. a life of all curiosity where you're just completely oversaturated creating in creating a new binary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, is it certainty or curiosity? It's like, you don't have to choose one or the other, but there is a defense mechanism called intellectualization, mm. which I think all four of us can probably <laughs> fall into. You know, and it's like you're just essentially spinning your wheels. And I had my son, you know, I always say youth are prophets, had a moment of like exasperation with me one time when we were having an argument. And funnel, funnily, in a yep. funny way, it had to do with Enneagram. And he was saying, I have this perception about this teacher. And I kept saying, well, I see all sides. I see all sides. And he kept saying, but I have a, I have, I have a point I'm trying to make to you. And my, my move was like, well, I see all sides, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this, 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 this. I'm curious. And Jack just looked at me at probably like, he was probably like 14 and said, do you think, and he doesn't even know about defense mechanisms. Do you think that your openness is just a way to not actually listen to the point I'm trying to make? Damn. And he and he looked at me dead in the eye, and he was actually on a lip, an elliptical trainer in the gym, and so he was towering over me, <laughs> and I was just like, my son has just totally checked me and put me in my place. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, like in the name of quote unquote being curious, I am now just everything's mush, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm just curious, and Jack's like, well, I'm trying to tell you something, and I'm like, maybe, who knows? Right. I just wonder, and and he's like, well, this is a nonsensical conversation, and you're not listening to me, mm. yeah. And it's not getting us anywhere. Yeah. So yeah, you had the privilege to explore other options. Yeah. Rather right. than yeah. to hear what he needed to say for his survival in that context. Right. Yeah. And 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 that's a great way of saying it too. It's like, in the name of my exploration, I'm missing Jack. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not listening to him. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking him seriously. Mm-hmm. And I'm making it about myself and my. Doesn't need to be curious, you know. So, I think that's why defense mechanisms are so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what are you actually doing? It's like, I'm just thinking, blah, 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 words, 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 you know? And it's like, that's great. But there comes a point where you're like, we've talked about this in terms of the Enneagram of like unproductive thinking. Right. You're circling around and around and around and, and it sounds intellectual, but you're not getting anywhere. Yeah. You haven't arrived at anything helpful or. Right. And it's like, if the curiosity isn't in bodies and you're not aware of your impact on bodies, Mm. then that's like, yeah, it's like reaching that intellectual space where it's like, well, that that's something else. Mm -hmm. Maybe seeing the real people there. Yeah. You two have talked a lot and, um, done a lot of thinking on defense mechanisms, which I, which I love. It's so interesting. And so I'm curious to bring that back in that like intrapersonal diving into the self. Yeah. Is there a space where, you need consent from yourself to go to certain places. Ooh, oh, the question. Self-consent? The Coming question. with that. I, I was just going to pause and say, I, I think I think Byron and Frederick are really good podcast interviewers. I this agree. was really fun. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I already know you have some thoughts on that. Because <laughs> you, you've been dealing with personal consent. I, I have. Yeah. Self-consent's been an, is something that's emerged in the past like six months for me of Ooh. like, whoa, wait, am I self-consenting? Because I think I started showing up in therapy and was like 
all these things, all these things, all these things. And at one point, my therapist was like, do you want to be sharing all this? Like, do you want to keep, like, you can say no to some things. You know, I think there is this piece of me that, you know, we we talked about this idea of binaries. And it's like, we're trying to walk this tightrope between, honestly, certainty and curiosity. That's actually a fun way to think about it. Mm. And I have a tendency to get swallowed into things and to take things all the way to their extreme. So it's it's interesting that I feel like even in this conversation, I'm like, oh, I'm having some thoughts around that. Like mm. I'm like seeing how I can myself be so swept up into it. Um, but yes, I think that there is points where, you know, an example is actually with the Enneagram. So it's been brought up. The Enneagram is like a tool. The Enneagram has been invoked. It has been. You, you mentioned it. So it's like, oh. it's in the air. It's here. It's come to the space. For folks who don't know, the Enneagram is, it's a symbol, an ancient symbol, a nine pointed symbol that many folks have, uh, used the symbol as a way of understanding human personality and like archetype structures. And there's all kinds of teachers around the Enneagram. And for us in our early first, you know, two and a half, three years of the podcast, we use the Enneagram as a means of entering into self-exploration as like curious. We would use the Enneagram as a tool for curiosity. And we did all these interviews and actually experienced this very disruptive moment for both of us where we interviewed a lot of different folks and they gave all kinds of different ideas of what types we were that were different than what we thought we mm. were. So I thought I was a four and then was very challenged to consider other numbers. Challenging your self-perception. Yes, totally <laughs> challenging my self-perception. And it's, you know, it's really interesting. Like it was, it was a very large thing of like, do I need to figure out what my type is? You know, we've de- been so dedicated to the Enneagram. Do I need to figure out what my type is? I want to be curious. I want to be curious and open to all these other people's ideas. I don't want to just think I'm certain on what my type is. And so then it became like, well, what if I'm this type? What if I'm that type? What if I'm this? And I kind of eventually came to this realization that, you know, right now I don't need to know. And I can let go of knowing that and kind of like, let it in the air and give it space. And maybe I can come back and try and figure out my type, but I don't need to do that right now. That's not good for me. If I were to check in with my self-consent, like going that deep actually isn't helping me right now. It's, it's getting in the way of things and it's, it's hurting me. And so that became this space of it's okay to let that go. And you're not, you, you're not like failing if you don't know and you don't like, follow this full curiosity pursuit. And it's interesting because now that I've had more space, I definitely have a lot of emerging thoughts around it Mm. that are way different than I would have expected. Yeah, get get yourself some space. Exactly. Like with some space, it's like, okay, now I now feel a lot more boundaried around it. Mm. Like I have boundaries of like when, how much can I explore it? And then it's like, okay, cool. I'm done for now. I don't need to figure it out, which is interesting. You mentioned this thing of like taking answers out of your vocabulary. And I'm like, I need to hear that. Mm, Like I fully need to hear that. I am the, I am a self-diagnoser. I am someone who wants to find the answer. Good job, Byron. (laughs) So that's what that kind of emerges for me. And I think in, in, in another piece, we've had to learn how to practice consent with each other of when, to say, hey, right now I'm I'm flooded, hmm. and I know we want to be curious, 
but right now I need to like slow down. Like let's give this space. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I'll get really meta for a quick second just because we both are adding to that question. And, and in terms of tools, um, let's create a three-minute container to talk about containers. Yes. This is a container. In the midst of a <laughs> container, the podcast is a container. But, like, when we talk about containers, the first thing that the always... interception. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that comes to my mind is, like, Tupperware. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, like, you take some container, you put the lid on it, you put it in the fridge. But it's nice to think that, like, I am... I'm designating a podcast to talk about vibes. We talked about vibes recently. It's two hours, and that's the container. We're going to go all in for two hours. I don't think we've talked much about vibes since. We have reference points. We right. like vibes. But like, um, I think in terms of consent, it's the same thing. There's something very strange and subtle about your internal world that I think I'm only starting to discover of like, spinning my wheels, I guess I keep saying. like I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I'm like, I don't have to think. I have the I have the ability to stop my brain if I want, and it's work. It, it's a practice. Like it's it's really actually challenging to s- turn off my brain, but like to be able to say, okay, well, it seems it seems self that you want to think about something. Let's give it thirty minutes, mm-hmm. and then whether I'm laying in my bed and trying to fall asleep and I'm obsessing over something or something has churned something up in my life, whether it's like a conflict or something, I'm like. I am choosing not to think about this anymore for now. I have to move on. I have to be present with my family. I have to just sit on my back deck and not think about that. You know, and I guess that that brings up privilege again in terms of like what you're able to do in terms of the time and space that you have. But like, again, I, I, I would hope this applies to anybody that whether you're working or doing anything, you can say, I'm not thinking about that right now. Yeah, so right I'm now gonna, I'm not I'll being give, curious I'll about that. I'll give it 15 minutes if it yeah. needs that. And then say, okay. And, I, and I've noticed my brain to be like a little spoiled little three-year-old. I say, we're not thinking about that. My brain throws a tantrum. And I'm like, no, no, no. And the brain's like, I don't want to think about that. I'm like, no. You know, and it, and it is kind of getting my brain under control. I'm like, stop. So you're saying compartmentalization can actually be healthy. I think so. I, I, I think that's almost, I think at compartmentalization, but I think there's this sense, I mean, you brought up the word container and immediately I think of a practice that both Scott and I started about six months ago called morning pages, mm. which I think is a very good example of a helpful container, which is, it's based off this book by Julia Cameron called the artist's way. And it essentially is every morning you, as much as it can be your first thing you do in the morning, however you set that up, you write, three pages, free associated, no judging yourself, no looking back and reading, no agenda besides free associating for three three pages. And that can become this kind of container that that allows, allows the bouncing thoughts and bouncing things to come out and allows this curiosity to emerge of like when I free associate, what comes up? And what comes up in what order? And like it's for me, mine bounce around so much. And it's like this very interesting thing that when you give yourself the container, then it allows it, 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 it helps keep it at bay yeah. in a way. Well, I think there was something again to get meta. It's like there's something very soothing and grounding about us saying at the beginning of this, it's 930. Mm-hmm. We're going to end at 930. It's not 930 right now, everybody. But, but, but <laughs> we're saying like. Might be a, where you are. A lot's yeah. going to get stirred <laughs> up. Yeah, at this moment, as you're listening, it might be 9:30. Um, 
a lot might get stirred up in this conversation, but I feel like I can follow the path of what gets stirred up because I know it has an end. An end point. But if, but I mean, honestly, we've already created a storm of thoughts in this conversation, and so if it like, if it, if it, if it, if the feeling was that it was going to go on for another four hours, I'd start to get sleepy and scared mm. and overwhelmed, and I'm like, I can't contain this. Like we're 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 as a group of four people letting ourselves really wander around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't infinite, I'd be like, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm flooded. I'm overwhelmed. I can't do it. Yeah. But we're like, it's going to end at nine 30. We'll just go back to normal life. I'm like, right. Oh, I can do that then. Yeah. Okay. Then I can just like, bah, 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 bah. I'm like, this is all going to end at nine 30. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. that's awesome. You know, uh, on barefoot to Emmaus, we have, a. I would like to consider us a public theology podcast mm. rather than preaching to society. We're engaging in conversation with society in a theological way. Love and that. so I'd love, love to that. transition us to the spiritual theological side Ooh. of curiosity, because I know both of you have had a rich history. Um, Frederick is our guide. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> uh, in both in institutions and the ways mm-hmm. that, that has caused harm, mm-hmm. oh. but also in your own individual spiritual journey. And I want to know how has curiosity impacted that journey, your spiritual journey? Mm. <laughs> Mace, you have a very dreamy look right now. I really appreciate it. Do you want me to go? Because I'm pretty ready to go. Yeah, you I'm go. pumped. Yeah. I'm um, pumped. <laughs> I mean, I think for me personally, the way my story intersects with this podcast is like all love to the people that raised me, mm. I, I think they're beautiful people. My grandparents, my parents, my churches, my youth leaders, all of that. But like the way I experienced Christianity growing up was that it was a project oriented towards certainty. Mm. And I had questions and it was viewed as a burden. Mm. Anybody that wanted to come in here and say, that's not what happened. At least that's what I experienced. That's how I experienced it, you know? And, and, and I, I started to get tastes of, um, like what it would be like to have questions approached with excitement and it's okay to ask questions. And that just felt so wonderful. And I think eventually in terms of the, the journey or the story or the context that you reference, which eventually all of us were participating, all four of us were participating in a church that felt a little bit more conservative than I was used to. Um, I was confronted. It was almost like, a, a beast that had been slayed in my life came back to life. Mm-hmm. Like I'll just say this, Frederick and I, Frederick was a student of mine at the youth group. I was in charge of at a church many years, yeah, ago. Many years ago. And that church changed my life. Like it was a little bit more spacious, progressive, all the, whatever words you would want to tie to it. Um, <laughs> and it, 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 I mean, for, for, well, we won't get into it, but but um, I would say, in terms of my journey, it nudged me along a journey, and I thought I was moving away from some more basically like conservative, rigid approaches, and then found myself thrust back into mm-hmm. this, like um, I don't I don't know what word I'd want to use this drama, mm. this drama of conservative theology and certainty toxic mm-hmm. certainty and i was like i thought i had I moved feel like away certain from is this. more more apt than conservative. yeah and i'm grappling with it i felt like i was like classic you know 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm this little character like Frodo or somebody with a little, with a little, with a little sword and I'm trying to fight these demons, you know, like, ah, you know, like I don't want to be part of this anymore. And, um, I think for me, um, the stakes got higher and I, I was just like, you know, we, we need to get more curious. Like this, this isn't going to work for me anymore. And, for me, it really did feel like a, a beast was slain or something. Hmm. You know, I was like, this, this is, this has got to end right now. No more of this. I'm not, I'm not going to enter back into communities like this. I'm not going to participate in a system like this. I'm not going to uphold things like this anymore. Um, so yeah. even from a, ch- from childhood, you had this interest that was, yeah. that was shut down. And so in some ways, don't want to get Freudian, but there's like oh, this reawaking <laughs> of the childhood issue that hadn't been resolved. Yes. I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> what I want to know is how did you keep that fire going? Like for, I know for so many people, you know, and if we think about people who are certain, they probably as children had curiosity too, you know? I think we all start as, as, as ch- children always start mm, curious. I have a cousin yeah. who is... Not the curious. Least curious child I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> There's some exceptions. <laughs> That's really funny. So exceptions to the rule, but, but you, in general, you yeah, kept sure. you kept that fire alive, at least, or somehow it came back up, maybe. Well, I I guess I guess as we're recapping the story, it's like to a certain extent, I I'm happy that I experienced this thing of the beast coming back because I think my journey of wanting to push along with questions just got me into spaces just naturally without very much intention that felt more curious. Mm. And then all of a sudden I found myself back in a space that wasn't. And I was like, Oh, there's some unresolved stuff in my life. Mm. And I just keep saying this beast needs to be Celine, whatever, you know, this needs <laughs> this to go. So I, I thought it was, but it's come back, you know? Mm. And, um, yeah, but you know, there, there is this idea of like a, I mean, I have to make sure I don't go off too much on this stuff, but everybody knows I'm obsessed with Peter Rollins. And go for it. <laughs> I mean, this they, is, this is f- these folks haven't. Yeah. People listening to Bitcoin Minutes True. don't know about Peter True. Rollins. True. Good point. This is, and they don't know about how much I talk about Peter Rollins, right. but this is probably Freudian. And, and it's interesting to think about this idea of like a prohibition makes something that much more interesting. Mm. Real quick for folks, Peter Rollins is a, what would you call him? Uh, he might be considered a psychoanalyst and public theologian. But he calls he call himself, himself a uh, a Christian, and I mean his 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 Instagram like bio is really funny. I mean, if I pulled it up and I had time, maybe I'll pull it up while you're talking and read it later. But like, P- yeah, look up Peter Rollins, everybody on Instagram or social media, whatever. But That's like, homework. Uh, <laughs> so so he would say uh, the idea of a chaperone mm-hmm. is um, where the term making love comes from. Because a chaperone in the presence of two people on a date would uh, instigate love, instigate lust. Yeah. The fact that you have somebody watching you and making it so you can't kiss or can't make a move makes you want it that much more. Hmm. So for me, I mean, I... <laughs> That's how this thing got yeah, started. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think people in my life are telling me I can't be curious. So I'm like, okay, well, it's making it really sexy. Hmm. Being curious is now like... And then, it, and then it, again, I think, red it, button. yeah, you know, exactly. It came back in my adult life where I'm like, okay, well now I've found communities that are giving me full permission to be curious. Um, and then all of a sudden I'm in, in this church that's being like, no, absolutely not. And I'm like, well, screw it. Now I really want to get curious, you know? Um, mm. So I think that the psychology of like my life 
I, I say this, I'm mean, saying this is for fun <laughs> and for laughs, but there was a classic thing in my life. I don't know why it kept coming up and it's probably all sorts of weird transference stuff, but like I would be, I feel like all four of us could relate to this in our own way of like, I'd be starting to do my thing of asking questions, being skeptical, wanting to know, digging and somebody in the room, whether it was my brother or a friend in my Bible study or a person in my Scott. dorm, they go, they go like this. Scott, <laughs> like somebody be like, here's the Bible study night. Here's the answers. And I'd be like, wait, wait, well, what about, and it was just natural. I didn't even know what I was doing. And people would go, somebody would be like, well, it's this and this and this. And what you have to know about God and the Bible and blah, blah, blah. And, and I'd be like, I don't really understand. Like, help me understand. Cause I think this, and I heard this and what about this? And eventually somebody would go, Scott, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, what, what? I'm like, I want to know. <laughs> you're being so Scott. Yeah. You're yeah. being so Scott. Um, yeah. I mean, theology and church got invoked. So that's what naturally came up for me. Mm. But do you want to, <laughs> you're over there. I feel like you're waiting now. You're like oh, in Mason. the corner ring, like ready to put me in, I'm put in me corner. in <laughs> tag team. I feel like it is a tag team. <laughs> Pass it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it's really interesting. I mean, there's this piece of me that as you're talking, I'm like, it's so interesting what emerges for you when Frederick asked that question. And for me, I got really emotional Mm -hmm. and could tell I got really emotional with that question and still am. And it it feels like there's like a, a, a slight journey for me in terms of, I was a really anxious kid. Still am a really anxious person. So, you know, certainty is really helpful when you're anxious. You know, if you can have something to stand your feet on and something mm-hmm. grounding. And I think certainty actually is probably not the right word. I think certainty, maybe security mm-hmm. is what you need. But Ooh. certainty is Dang, like a, is a potentially like a false replacement mm-hmm. for what security would be. And, <laughs> and so for me, I had a lot of separation anxiety, mm-hmm. a lot of concern around not being in my home, not being with my parents. And my, so growing up, my dad and I would read the Bible and like read Psalm 23 every night before bed. And I didn't grow up in a church home. Uh, My dad didn't like church, but definitely had his own thoughts on God and had a relationship with God. And so that was really instilled in me. Hmm. And that was kind of a very grounding thing that I experienced and then I went to evangelical Christian contexts and church camps and was really highly anxious about not being home. And I was a kid who couldn't do sleepovers, couldn't do things. Like the mm. fact that I went to this camp was kind of this wild thing. My parents always say that they knew I like sobbed on the bus and they were like, we're waiting for the call for you to us to come and have to pick you up. Oh. We wanted to mm. try. Been there. And Mm -hmm. classic altar call energy happens. And all of a sudden, this person is telling me that I'm not alone, that Jesus is always going to be there. Mm. And that I have someone to trust. I have a secure person that lives inside of me. And if I just trust this person, then I'll be okay. And so around seventh grade, that became a a huge piece of certainty for me. Jesus is there. Jesus is this person and I'm not alone. The rock on which I stand. Exactly, exactly. Mm. And I mean, there was this image of like, you're hanging onto a rope 
and you need to let go and mm-hmm. let God and mm-hmm. there's a net that's going <laughs> to catch you. You know, it's like all these things. And for someone who was having a hard time, I was like on a leash because mm-hmm. of my anxiety. It was like, well, now you have someone like it, it set me free to kind of be explorative in the world because I had this this figure that I could then lean on to. Mm. And so Christianity became in like becoming a Christian and getting involved in Christian community and the church and all these things then became this piece that it was so significant for me in terms of some kind of like move in my anxiety that it became, I I clutched tight onto it. Mm. Like I, I just imagine a very firm grip on it all throughout high school and became more and more certain of things. And because I needed that, didn't, I did splitting for sure. Didn't question the things that didn't, like didn't question the pieces that were harming me that went along with it. Didn't question, I I, I assume celibacy Mm -hmm. because I needed Jesus more. Mm -hmm. I needed that security more. Mm. I assumed all kinds of pieces because that was certain and there there was it was a very prominent helpful thing for me and you know i made a god of god which is an interesting mm. thing for me to think an too. idol maybe an idol yeah that yeah. that might be better and mm. a god of god then i then i went to college and got a degree in theology mm-hmm. and i'm so grateful for the many professors that expanded and challenged all these pieces that I had been certain around, you know, all of a sudden my professors, you know, like, Hey, there's four gospels and they don't align. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, what? (laughs) And all of a sudden I'm reading Noah's Ark and I'm like, what the fuck? That killed all these people. (laughs) And we're just accepting that. Like all of a sudden I start to become, it started to unravel. Mm this thing that I was so certain in started to unravel. And I'm grateful for lots of pieces along the way. I I went to this retreat where someone, the whole retreat was on contemplative practices. And that was really grounding in the midst of a lot of unraveling of the certainties. Um, But then, you know, Scott's mentioned it, we were at a church that wasn't, wasn't a very healthy environment for someone going through doubts. Um, And, I eventually got to this place of, you know, for me, it became, I was so certain Jesus needed to exist. I was so certain this God needed to exist. And then all of a sudden, as I became curious, got curious, so much of what I had taken as truth, I couldn't take Mm. as truth anymore. Like I was like, I don't, I can't believe in this anymore because that's too, everything's way more complex than these simple answers I had relied on. And then it was like, the floor came out from underneath me. Like, now I don't have anything. Now I'm alone again. And went through a season of atheism. And it's very fascinating thinking of its journey on the podcast because it it happened like three months before we started the podcast that like everything kind of culminated in, I went from being certain to it's kind of unraveling to certain of nothing. Mm. certain of none of the existence this thing was this christianity this god it all betrayed me like a pendulum shift you went from the Mm. one side to the other exactly Mm. exactly 
And, you know, it's, it's interesting because Scott and I were emerging as, in my opinion, friends. <laughs> and Scott was a very, a very stable presence in the midst of this. I mean, it's funny. We were talking today about one of the conversations on a car ride home when I was like, dude, I don't believe this anymore. Mm-hmm. And we decided to do this podcast still. And I think, and Scott, you can attest to this, part of it was this, I was going to move home. I was like, I've lost stability. I, and I, it's interesting. I said, I'm going to move home. I can't be here anymore. And out of an effort to keep me in Seattle, I think <laughs> a little bit was like, well, let's get that podcast started. You know, people yeah, said absolutely. we would get that podcast started. Yeah. And I think. Let's keep this fun acquaintance. Right, exactly. Relationship going. Exactly. Won't you stay with me? <laughs> yeah, that's it. I want to be friends. Stay I want to eventually be friends. Me. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know what we were, we didn't know what we were doing when we began this podcast. We didn't know what, what it meant. And, and our motto emerged months after we started. But curiosity was at the heart of it. And I think this podcast, this practice of curiosity allowed me to start to re-enter into some ambiguous spaces mm. with God. Mm. So where you would talk about all different kinds of things and it's this interesting piece of like, well, if I can be curious around talking about chips, it's not just even about <laughs> the content of chips. Like it's, it's, it's just as much the content as it is the practice of weekly sitting down and saying anything we can be mm. curious and mm. hold ambiguously. Dang, that's so good. And so all <laughs> of a sudden I can't, all of a sudden I'm experiencing, I'm having experiences of God. And what do I do with that mm. in the midst of, I said I was abandoning this thing. Mm. And all of a sudden I'm, I am having more ability to hold the tension and the ambiguity and be curious around, well, why was, why did I feel betrayed? What else was going on for me? Why might it have been good for me that I, Jesus was simple in seventh grade. Mm, Why might it have been good for me that I had a season of atheism? Why might it have been good for me? These things. Well, wow. All of a sudden God is not this Trinity, God, father, son, and Holy spirit. God is this, mother, child, and the space between. Mm. And that's a trinity. Mm. And all of a sudden, there's so much more room for what God could be and who I could be in relation to God. And so it just became, it just naturally allowed more space for me to go back and know, actually, I've always been a person who's been highly spiritual. And that's been important to me. And intuition's always been important to me. And sacred texts are important to me. And all these pieces that I thought I needed to throw out now could have more room because I had more space for them because I think we had, I'd cultivated curiosity in, yeah. in me. Ooh, what a, uh, testify. Those yeah. <laughs> Mace, I love you so much. And mm. I love mm. that story, your story so much. And I think it really does speak to what so many people are going through Mm -hmm. people who are wrestling with struggles with the church, whether it be about, you know, uh, non accepting, non affirming stances, um, around queerness Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. you know, any other aspect, um, the, 
complacency, the hypocrisy, all these things, you know, we reject that and we feel like this one box was everything because it expressed itself as certainty. Mm-hmm, there was no mm-hmm. room to have uh, nuance or curiosity in that box. And so if the box becomes problematic, you have to throw the whole box out. It was so fragile. Yeah. Mm, right. It's right. so fragile. Exactly. I think about the song Cannot Keep You by Gunger, which mm. says we cannot keep you in the church. We cannot keep you in the Bible or it's just another idol to box you in Dang. that you're saying making a God out of God, but it's really making a God out of the construct of God that you were fed. Oof. Dang. And yep. so in yep. that way, Some you bars tonight, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, it was this limitation to your ability to engage fully with the Holy divine mystery. Right. You know, right. when I, and Byron and I, we've had a lot of conversations around, uh, how to engage with, the identity or idea of God. And in classical theology, there are all these omnis, omnipresent, omnipotent, Mm. Mm. um, omniscient, the idea of God being perfect and therefore all powerful, all knowing, Mm. you know, and there, and while that sounds unimaginable in some ways, it also is pretty simplistic, you know, because it it sets the rules like, Oh, if God is perfect in this way, then this must be the case. And we, and we don't leave a lot of room for certainty. Charles and is so, a big believer in singularities, but it all comes together at one <laughs> point. Mm. <laughs> yes. The oneness. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the interesting thing for me, I get drawn to Jesus because in some ways, Jesus seems to make things more clear. It's like you, you heard it said this way, but actually, let me clarify it for you. You have a human that you can touch. There's something real that you can engage with. Um, but in the way that we understand ourselves as humans as being so complicated, like this is so much of what we've been talking about that idea of God that was so easily manipulated by religious leaders to be mm-hmm. like, this is who God is, and we have control of this idea. Jesus blew that out of the water by saying, I'm God and I'm complicated. Yeah. yeah. You know, you can't That's put good. me in a box. Yeah. You can try. And I love that Jesus himself invites people into curiosity by asking questions like, who do you say I am? Yeah. So you know, good. Jesus is curious and mm-hmm. invites oh. us into that curiosity. And speaking in parables. Right, exactly. Like, there's, yeah. there's very little certainty. Yeah, there's, well, answers. there's answers, but it's like they're obscure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They're not, yeah. And challenging the status quo. And I guess that just brings up, and I got this is kind of, I'm, I'm sure Bear, Barefoot Timaeus is kind of a theology podcast in a way. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, if you're it's talking about. It very much is, yeah. I yeah. Think one of the, yeah I think public one of the, theology. Yeah, public theology. I think one of the things in terms of theology is somebody that, you know, I guess we all study theology in this room. And, and I think something that this podcast helped me do that took my seminary degree to a a new, more maybe embodied level, I guess, or something like that of saying there's exegesis, which I think exegesis is a great form of curiosity. You know, it's like using all these tools at your disposal to dig into a text and to look at the original language, to look at the original intent, to, to look at how that was eventually interpreted, to, to look at how it was incorporated into the broader canon of scripture and, so many cool questions. And then after you've done all that digging and you have some certainty in terms of, well, what did they mean? And what is this word? Like we don't need to question what this word means. We do know what this word means. Mm -hmm. And our, our human understanding of what language means has, has taken this. (laughs) You guys are in this right now, like ancient language with no punctuation and tried to form a sentence out of it. And, and then, and then once we have a little bit more understanding of what that sentence meant, we're still left as actual living, breathing humans in the modern world to, to, to apply it to our individual contexts that that ancient world knew nothing about. Yeah. 
And so that's, again, where I think something about curiosity, in, especially as it happens in community, and maybe even Christian community, gets really interesting. Instead of like, this is meant to, you know, calcify or, you know, uh, make something very, um, something that's meant to be lived and embodied and, and, uh, <laughs> hello, Shanla. Um, living and active and all that into something that's rigid and dead and, um, you know, oh, there's my phone. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think, I think that's the fun, one, one of the f- phrases that we reference a lot as, as a, a, the four of us is otherwise possibilities. So it's like, can we imagine uh, a world where we arrive at some truth and some certainty based on what this verse meant, but then how, how it has endless application yeah. to where we are now. It opens up more curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. At least it should. And we're co-creators. Co-creators. And meaning. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I was thinking, again, maybe pessimist brain. Um, or, <laughs> Let's uh, get that what, pessimist what, brain going. That wasn't it. It was <laughs> cynicism brain. Cynicism brain. Cynicism time. <laughs> On the theological sense, um, I have for years wanted to uh, focus in on some some questions of like astrotheology. Whoa. Yeah. 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 What does it mean if we find life on other planets? Yes. Right. What does it mean if it's sentient? Is it fallen? Like, oh, what are all these things? Great. Um, and the biggest response I get is it, that's a, it doesn't matter. Doesn't like, matter. <laughs> it's too big or whatever. I, and I, I don't want to think about that. I discovered a similar thing that happened when, um, I started reading the book of Enoch mm-hmm. and Enoch is a really fascinating story. It's in the <laughs> Apocrypha outside the Bible. Um, depending on which Bible, the yeah. Ethiopian Orthodox consider it uh, canonical <laughs> scripture. Um, but it's j- essentially a story for those of you who don't know, um, essentially a story of this guy named Enoch, who was Noah's great grandfather, mm. who like had this prophetic vision of, uh, what the structure of heaven and some of the things that had happened in terms of angels. And <laughs> I started asking questions about like how demons work and, uh, and some of these things. And again, the feedback that I got, the pushback was like, it's above your pay grade. Hmm. Yeah. What? Like you as you as a human, um, <laughs> yeah, you as a human. Well, I, and, and we're so hired I, by higher powers. <laughs> like, like above your pay dangerous grade. for you to engage. But, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Mm. Some, some people were thinking like, yeah, that it's dangerous. Some people were thinking like, literally, it's beyond your comprehension. Like your mm. wonder can't even penetrate. Oh, into that that, right, that, that brings me back to some old school c- Christianity. So, so I'm curious. Like, this yeah. is what I wanted to. I love yeah. that. There. Great question. Yeah. Oh, what's the question? Is there a question? <laughs> well, I, I I really like to ask questions. You want that us, are like, you want us to talk statement. about astrotheology? No, no, no. no, no, no. Have, I, I like to make a statement and then say uh, <laughs> yes? Question mark? Have you have you folks heard of? I forget what kind of theologian. Which I just want to name. I, there's this interesting thing about theology. Like it's a very funny thing. Like yeah. I I think I've gone back and forth on like what's the point of theology, and mm. I'm in this space right now where I'm like actually theology is kind of cool in the sense of like you're naming it like astro theology mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like black liberation theology, mm-hmm. queer theology. Yeah. Like what what does this mean that we have? It's 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 a field in which we can explore human experience and our relation to that is what that which is beyond us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
in, yes. in a very beautiful, cool way. So I'm like, yeah, that's, that's sick. You can find all different kinds of, and like, that's the thing is like, let's be curious of what fields of theology are yet to be explored or created. And Jesus came for the sick, you know, the sick content. Jesus came for the sick, not the well. So <laughs> the sick content. Oh, your pun is bad. Then you should feel bad. <laughs> oh. I try. I try. Yeah. I see what you're doing. Um, <laughs> I forget what kind of theologian she is, but I'm, I'm bummed that I can't think of it because it's it's cool. I don't know if you guys have heard of Catherine Keller. You saying you're interested in astrotheology is inviting me to invite her. Mm. She does a lot of work around looking at the universe and looking at string theory. Mm. Yeah. And looking quantum it's, theology? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of quantum theology. Um, and I found her work to be really cool and like it's very much this expansive theology which i feel like you're even challenging with that other idea of like what about the alien side i'm like well, it's, gotta, <laughs> right, it's right. gotta be both dude you gotta want that tension um but i think i think i'm like i think you as you mentioned i'm like that will be someone to check out she's doing a lot of really cool work and even what you're saying of like people are saying like oh it's too big to wonder about and she does a lot of work around this idea which is like i'm sure you guys probably talk about this you guys are in seminary of like apophatic theology Mm -hmm. so like a lot of like what Mm -hmm. you know coming to know answers of what things aren't yeah you know it's like it's so mysterious the best we can do to grapple with it is is saying what it's not Mm -hmm. which is just also like a very sick way of going around curiosity it's no small thing i brought it back (laughs) um Oh, 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 Byron really approached this in a really fun way because it's so open ended, I guess. But like, <laughs> I don't like this below my pay grade. I mean, that that triggers everything. I mean, it's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. I don't yeah. want anybody telling me what I can and can't think about. And obviously we know that like prophets and heretics and people that have pushed the church forward have said, I will think about that. And mm-hmm. and which actually leads me to a very interesting question. You know, I think about the classic quintessential like alt-right incel. Right. And to, right. and to me, it's someone who's really lonely, yeah. whose emotional needs haven't been met, yeah. and they find a space that is asking the questions that they might have floating around in their head because of whatever hurt that they're feeling. Right. And in that space, it's it's this, um, you know, um, what's it called? The sound festering yeah 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 you know like the, all these thoughts just kind of bounce around in this silo yeah oh yeah. right 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 and, um like a sounding board and uh it echo chamber it, thank you echo yeah. chamber that's what i'm looking for <laughs> and, it, and this echo chamber fuels this kind of ideology that then becomes so deep-seated yes and so i would like to postulate that perhaps there is a line of curiosity yeah that has the potential to be dangerous yes and so at what point do we say then maybe a question about something that is really real in the spiritual realms right. might have potency that we don't reckon with when we are like, I think a lot of you know, no need to accept this idea. You can disagree with it, whatever. But mm. a lot of the fear mm. in what I would consider either conservative or mainline, even, you know, um, the broader church fear around the idea of like witchcraft, fear around the idea right. of other gods, other, uh, other spirits, that to engage with those powers, call them demonic powers, potentially, you know, actually has power that we are naive to. Mm-hmm. And so in, in leaning into that curiosity, there can actually be harm, which I would consider potentially in that, in their minds to be above your pay grade, right? Curiosity you know? killed the cat. Sure. So <laughs> that was also not a question, but I would love well, to hear your thoughts I'll, on I'll that. I'll tell a story, and, and I don't think Frederick was necessarily here when this happened, but like, this is a great example of what 
curiosity is, I guess, for Christians should do. I, w- I would use the word should there. Mm-hmm. I'm not okay. going to take it back. Um, <laughs> I was on a mission trip. We're, we're going to Mississippi to mm-hmm. talk about ra- racism and racial reconciliation. Yeah, yeah. And we're, up, we're, we're without even really, I'm not, we're no, not, not no small thing yet, but like we're going down as people that are curious mm-hmm. and um, we're wanting to learn about racism and, and uh, in the midst of this, we go to New Orleans at the end of the trip, and all these kids start saying, oh, we're going to look at voodoo. Like, we're, like the, mm. more than ever, mm. there just started to be this very high, intense interest of voodoo. And I've, I've never really stopped and thought about voodoo. It's just something that's in the collective consciousness here in white America. You know, it's like, and, and all of the parents, volunteers on this trip started saying, you got to shut this down, youth pastor, you know, like voodoo. Like, do, we do not want our kids to look at voodoo. It's evil. It's dark. It's demonic. Yeah. It's just playing with fire. And I was just like, hold on a second. Before I stand up as the leader and make a statement about something I know nothing about, let me just look up a few things, you know, and I was just looking up voodoo. And it was just like, okay, well, this was an African religion. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) This is an African religion that was systematically demonized by the Catholic Church to Mm. be that was rooted in racism. Like, we don't want them to have their religion. We want our. We think ours is superior. So let's just make it Mm -hmm. seem evil. Yeah, Yeah, rooted in colonialism. And so I just get up to these leaders, and I'm like, this sounds racist. Like our skepticism and our fear of voodoo sounds racist mm, to me. Mm. So like, isn't this a great opportunity to like have a discussion? It's like, and there was too much fear. No. Nope. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well I submit to my 20 plus leaders at this point. I'm like, we're not going to talk about voodoo. Um, but we did get to Dear. a place when we were in new Orleans and you know, again, a precursor to the life that was ahead of me, we were being hosted by a, uh, the, uh, a first Presbyterian church of new Orleans. The senior pastor was a gay man named Fred and he greeted us and he was very much like, welcome. He put beads on everybody's head hmm. and some punk kid. I'm, and I'm using that in the best way possible, <laughs> like raised their hand in the middle of it and said, what's your opinion on voodoo? Hmm. And all the, all the parents are looking at me, Oh, are we talking about this? You know? And he, and he said, you know, I'm a Trinitarian Bible believing Christian uh, but I've been to Haiti and other places, and I've seen people practicing voodoo, and they're dancing in their front yard and, and you know, shouting to the stars, and I have to believe that they're connecting with something that's probably similar to what I connect with when I connect with God, and I mm. want to leave space for that. And I was like, that's a great answer. Yeah. That's a great answer. So when people are talking about, like, thinking about our, b- above our pay grade, it's not like, I guess what I'd want to say, it, that's why the curiosity moves past the paradigms, because you're asking that question or we're stifling that conversation in the context of like you believe and maybe there are that there are, you know, dark forces out there that if we collude with are going to harm us or something like that. So as we start to ask these questions, like uh, we're now in the realm of like darkness and it's like, that's scary. Uh, and, and yet now you can pull back and say, well, maybe that is one way of looking at, but maybe I'm also in the realm of racism. Maybe I'm also in the realm of like, mm. uh, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm pulling apart this really toxic and bad, oppressive way of thinking that is not good for anybody. I, I mean, it could be the fact. I mean, I want to, I, I want to say like maybe there are sure. dark forces in the world but you're leaving room for all of it yeah but this isn't just a conversation about good or bad spirituality this is also a conversation about history and racism and colonialism yeah 
And you can pause along the way with whoever you're with and be like, consent. We're back to consent. Like, is this okay? Sure. Like, you know, I guess I, I guess in terms of consent, I got told by the people that I was working with, you know, I'm not a God. They said, no, no, we're not going to talk about this. I was like, okay, well, I'm not, you know, I guess, I guess for this trip in terms of a container, we've decided we're not going to talk about voodoo. Yeah. Um, but maybe there's a time where we can, you know, to, to bring it back in a, in a different type of way. One other aspect of that kind of question is, are there things that are literally beyond us? Not because they should be, but because they just like are, they just are like, well, maybe. in, in a way that, you know, Mace earlier, you mentioned this idea of perhaps paradox is the thing that is closest mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. reality. And mm-hmm. Curiosity is the only medium through which to approximate it. And so so the idea of the, the Trinity, for instance, mm-hmm. like it is, to some extent, it is kind of above a human capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, pay grade, I don't want to make it like an economic type pay grade, of thing. Pay grade, yeah. But like, there is so much that it that curiosity, even curiosity, potentially one of our highest, like, godlike mm. gifts, mm. Can't like we don't have enough of it to to enter into certain things. Like, are there things about the universe that'll be forever beyond our grasp? I have a thought about that. That because you've evoked I Trinity, that actually makes me think of. I think the Trinity is actually a, a, a symbol itself of holding that paradox of things being both both beyond us and fully within us. Mm. So, like, we think of the Trinity. This image, I, I always think of the Trinity in a paracret, like a paracretic mm. way. The Divine Dance got a painting of it right there. It's beautiful, mm. and I think it holds in itself. I wrote a whole paper on this, so mm. I'm like, I got lots of thoughts. Ooh. It holds in <laughs> itself these these divine paradoxes, and one of one of them I think that it holds is this idea of things being like we us having full access to things like there's intimacy in the Trinity in these relationships. There's, there's touching, there's coming to there's, there's, there's movement towards and there's pulling away from. Mm. And I think that that's, that's even this piece of God. God is both imminent and eminent. Mm. God is both. We have full access to intimacy and experience in moments where we we are in union with God and at the same time that God is fully beyond us mm. while we are intimate with them. Ooh. So I think that things aren't, things are, yes, always fully beyond us and that doesn't mean we are not also fully intimate with those things that are beyond us, Wow, if that makes sense. That there's enough of it. If, you know, if we're looking at some sort of thing that has some aspect of, the color blue mixed into the pigment and our eyes can't pick up blue. We can pick up some aspect of blueness. Yeah. That was and a weird way to put it. I but think even like thinking, you know, I'll turn it into like myself or a relationship like Scott. Scott is in himself an entire wonder and mystery. Mm, yeah. There is, Aww. there is something there's Scott is, expansive and knowing Scott is fully beyond me. Knowing Scott is fully beyond Scott. Right. Like you, you will never fully know yourself. There's no, there's no, Oh, I can grasp this. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I know Scott. Mm -hmm. I have intimacy, intimacy with Scott and I have access to Scott. Yeah. And, and those both exist at the same time. Hmm. Dang. And it's the journey of unpacking. And it's kind of like a Russian doll set, but 
with each layer you peel back there, instead of just one inside, it's like two inside and four. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's and never so it's like, ending. <laughs> you're seeing so many layers of this thing and you're peeling mm-hmm. it back and you're like, wow, there's so much. But then each one just leaves you with more questions, more curiosity, more unknowing. The more intimate you get with something, the more beyond it becomes. Yeah, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was the whole exercise going to seminary. I was like, oh, no, I really realized that the Bible is... You could like, I mean, for example, like, uh, finally after like doing Hebrew, my Hebrew classes, which also <laughs> was like, oh my gosh. And it's like, okay, we're, we're going to do exegesis of the book of Jeremiah mm. in Hebrew. And I'm looking at this guy who's probably 70 and has talked this exegesis, Hebrew exegesis of Jeremiah for 30 years. Mm. And he's still confused. Mm. He's like, I don't, get, <laughs> I don't understand this book. And I'm like, yeah, what? You know, you've 30 years just zeroed on this one book and that in and of itself is complicated, let alone the whole Bible. I was just like, mm. I just came away scoffing at people. Who are like, the Bible's clear. The Bible said it, I believe it. I'm like, the Bible is clear. The what? what? <laughs> the, the what is clear? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. What is, that? what is the Bible? <laughs> the but Bible. I bet you that professor has a deeper love for the book of Jeremiah than totally. anyone else. Oh, no, it was contagious. I mean, I'm... I'm there, I mean, it's a three-hour deep yeah. dive into Jeremiah. I'm just like, this guy is making me stay awake because of his passion for this crazy <laughs> book. And that's what I want for myself and for all of us mm. is that when we explore anything with curiosity, whether it be God and the Holy Divine mystery or life or each other or ourselves, that the more that we lean in, the more that we fall in love mm-hmm. with yeah. the journey of curiosity. Mm. Well, I think this is a nice little through line and maybe a full circle thing of like, going back to the defense mechanism of splitting. Cause I think this got invoked in your sort of testimony of sorts mm-hmm. of like so many people I talk to think they need to take this fork in the road, mm. atheism or faith or agnosticism. I need, I need to make a choice and then I need to identify. And it's like, that's splitting, you know, you're like, you're an agnostic at one moment, you're an atheist next, you're a person of faith and maybe it all bleeds together. Like you don't need to choose. That's too easy. It's like, hmm. if you want to, you can. If you want to identify as an Byron's atheist. Eyebrows I'm, I'm, are I'm just wishing that we had heard that sentence three weeks ago when we talked to Connie. Oh. <laughs> we, we, kind of, we were kind of directing Connie towards a bit of a, a, decision. Of a split. In some ways, which might have been healthy at that time. I don't know. Connie, if you're listening, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Please forgive us. Well, like, <laughs> I, like I said, maybe at times for certain people it is healthy. Maybe somebody, right. maybe somebody experienced toxic religion and needs to split mm. and say, "I am an atheist." Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Ultimately, well, we don't have to. I think I'm, this is coming to mind. I don't know why, but it's this interesting thing of like, I I use the identifier of I'm a lesbian, mm-hmm. and also I use that identifier for more societal and mm. like personal empowering reasons because it was like, well, the L word was a dirty word in my mind, yeah. but being a lesbian is so complicated and expansive mm-hmm. to me that I don't consider it as like, oh, I'm a lesbian. It means these specific things. You help you it know? make, you help it be complicated. Yeah, I definitely But I think for me, even with time, it's like I needed that label years ago yeah, yeah. and I still use it, but I don't, but it, it's taken on so much more. It, 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 it exists alongside like, other new categories you know i no longer see it as oh well that means i can't have these other kinds of thoughts alongside it you know i think i thought there was a split of like can i be non-binary and lesbian and it's like well now there's there's room for both there's room for those those tensions to exist 
And you don't have to just sit in the unknowing. You can actually try some of those labels on, those identities. And it's almost like a metamorphosis, that Mm -hmm. you go through that shell, and you're like, okay, maybe that's not the place where I stay, but in that process, I have grown into more of who I really am. Right, no, exactly. And I'm like, well, and it it still fits. It's still, as of right now, I would fully use it. But, like, also there's a piece of me that's like, and you probably don't know what I mean fully by that. (laughs) Sure. And Mm. love that a little bit. I love, I love that that unknowing I'm, I'm packing for New Jersey right now, New Jersey, here we come. Um, and I was looking through my library and there's this book that someone gave me a long time ago called the cloud of unknowing. Whoa. And it's this, this book about like orthodox transcendental ideation about God. Mm -hmm. Um, and it reminded me there's this one story. Um, there's this like young pilgrim who is walking by the monastery and every day he passes this old beggar. And one day he asks the beggar, uh, what are you doing here? And the beggar says, oh, I'm just listening. Mm. Um, and he says, oh, well, what did you hear today? It's like, oh, I heard, I heard the birds in the trees and I, I heard people passing by. It's like, well, what did you hear yesterday? Uh, and he says, well, a, a long time ago, I heard when Christ came into the world and I heard his crying. Dang. And I said, oh my gosh, were you there at the very beginning? Mm. Did you hear the first sound? And the guy says, I'm still hearing it. Mm. Woo. And this 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 transcendental like ah that's um, good. Again, Orthodox mystics and this idea of the uncreated light mm. that certain Orthodox monks were were given the grace of. Mm. And and something that you were saying, Mace, reminded me. I ha- I have often said as as a an appeal towards towards grace, there are few things that we as humans have in infinite capacity. We're not all knowing. We're not all-powerful. We're not a lot of those omnis. By the grace of God, we have an infinite capacity towards grace. Mm. We always have the option to be graceful or gracious. Mm -hmm. You've just added another one that I think we always have the capacity. We have infinite capacity for curiosity. Mm. You've added one to to Byron's list. You've Mm. added one to my list. I love Um, that. So I don't know. I want to be sensitive to our time and stuff, but I had one other question. Sure, yeah, Particularly to Scott as a parent, but but Mace, you you work with kids so much. And a parent of snails, too, you know. And parent of snails. I let my snails go. (laughs) There hadn't been a post for a while. I was curious. I let my snails go. Um, (laughs) I really, it's it's a goal of mine one day to get get you a, you know, giant African snail that's like, you can crawl through them. Um, (laughs) We'll see about that. That really shook Mace. (laughs) (laughs) I felt that in my soul. Um, what do you do when a kid just asks why? And then you give another answer and they say, but why? Right. Oh, and why? I have thoughts. You yeah. want to answer that? Yeah. I mean, you have easily just as much thoughts about that, but, but like it what does remind me of Pinocchio, right? Mm. Like when Pinocchio is becoming a real boy, he says so with Geppetto and the story and just keeps asking why and Geppetto is just getting really exasperated. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think that's the thing. It's like, I mean, parenting brings up all the weird conversations around this. Cause you are like a God to a, to a little baby kid. Ooh. And, um, I think, I guess a hot take for me in terms of parents is, um, we can take all, a lot of the things we've talked about tonight and, um, you, oh, how do I condense these big thoughts? Um, you know, those questions can bring up all your defense mechanisms and fears. And so, you know, you want to shut down those questions because they're making the questions arise in your own spirit. And I think mm-hmm. parents really do that. Parents um, give those easy answers. I So because they're afraid to question them themselves, and this is why I say 
youth or prophets. Mm-hmm. A kid who's even three asking why is prophetic. And if that brings up a new way of thinking or a new challenging way to approach the world, um, it, it might make you uncomfortable, so you shut that down. But it could open up a whole new field of possibilities for you if you let it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So for me, obviously, I don't think it's going to be a surprise to anybody that, like, in general, I think my kids would agree that I've encouraged questions and exploration. Um, I mean, I think... I think I think the most consistent feedback slash compliment I get from my kids, I get a lot of complaints and a lot of critiques, uh, is is that I'm chill. <laughs> you know? So maybe there are times where I'm not. I mean, sometimes I lose my temper or something like that. But in general, it's like I mean, sometimes I think my daughter has been like, Could you please give me some more answers? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um But I mean, for me, I've I think it's just my nature have always wanted to encourage exploration. I love that. So I think there are times where I could have done it better. I mean, honestly, being friends with Mace, who works with preschool kids, there's definitely times, especially in those early years, I could have done a lot better. But mm. but yeah, I know I already know you have some pop-off thoughts. Not big pop-off. I think I think I get asked why a lot, and I think I go, I mean, my, my general answer is, why do you think? Yeah. yeah. What do you think? And then if there's a way for them to discover it on their own, mm. let's find that. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, I, I work at a school that a huge philosophy of it is like, we tell children what to think. We tell them what the world is. We don't allow them to discover it for themselves and for them to make meaning of it. So I think generally, if possible, with a, something like a why question, it is... For me, a lot of curiosity of I wonder why they're curious around this. wonder what they're working out here. And also sometimes literally is like, why is that that way? But I always am like, what do you think? Why, why do you think? You know, because that's also going to give a funny answer first off. It's going to yeah, get so some just real good some answer right there. Uh, setting yourself up for some entertainment. Exactly, exactly. And it's like, oh, that's really interesting. I wonder what made you think that, you know, and then inviting them to think that, you know, and then being like, well, I've heard this thing. And less of like oh i know this thing hmm. but more of like i was taught this and i believe this or that. this kind of thing but I, I i think i generally try to not give answers to children mm-hmm. because i i think more than anything they they're they're told so many answers that let's let them let's come let's let them come to their conclusions mm-hmm. you know like create meaning on their own there's another full circle Mm-hmm. Responses, not answers. Yeah, Responses, no, exactly, not answers. exactly. Yeah, that's really good. As we wind down, I have a reading. Mm. <gasps> I knew you would. What? <laughs> this yeah. guy's got a reading. I, I think it's. A, I mean, it's like it's like I think it's a good cross between like theology, curiosity. Mm-hmm. I love it, and it's Paul Tillich, so it's not going to surprise Bringing anybody. in some no small thing vibes here. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we'll see. I mean, do you have anything else you want to say? This could be a flop. <laughs> no, we can totally end with that. I was yeah. going to no, say. I'm just saying. Eventually, as we wind down, yes, I'm ready. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, after you read that, if uh, if you, you're okay with that not being the last thing. Oh no, it's your podcast. <laughs> I would love to hear both of you ask a question to our listeners that none of us answer. Oh 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 wow. Just you know, to in, in the theme of curiosity yeah. moving forward, but. I would love to hear the reading. And then we'll end with the, the, a question. These questions. I've got my question. You do? Yeah. 
We'll end with the questions and then our, our benediction. So, yeah. I don't know if it's I, this is this is the most open-ended thing, so it could be any kind of question. Yeah, yeah. any question. Yeah. What? Well, well, oh man, I wish I had a lot, some time to think about that. I mean, now I'm really curious about what you're going to ask. Well, me. here's the thing, Scott. Like, I'm I'm planning on cutting out any of the awkwardness part of this flow too. So okay, that's great. Maybe maybe I'll be inspired to ask a question based on this reading. Yeah, and then you great. guys a- answer. Ask a benediction. Yeah, you we, do. We, we have a benediction. Okay. So yeah. So we're, we're doing layers of benedictions. We're doing a reading, a question. Um, okay, here we go. This is from Paul Tillich, who's, for me, my taste in, in what I've experienced in life, my favorite theologian. I'm sure there's others. I love lots of theologians, but, um, I mean, uh, get ready. Settle in, because this is not long, but it's longish. We're here. You cannot mend the chromosome, quell the earthquake, or staunch the flood. You cannot atone for dead tyrants' murders, and you alone cannot stop living tyrants. As Martin Buber saw it, writing at his best near the turn of the last century, the world of ordinary days affords us that precise association with God that redeems both us and our own little speck of the world. God entrusts and allots to everyone an area to redeem. This creased and feeble life the world in which you live, just as it is and not otherwise. So, a farmer can unfetter souls and free divine sparks in his beasts and in his houses, his garden and in his meadow, his tools and in his food. Here and now, presumably, an ordinary person would approach with a holy and compassionate intention the bank and the post office, the carpool, the God-help-us-television, the retirement account, the car, the desk, the phone, and keys. Side note, this is Annie Dillard, not Paul Tillich. <laughs> Insofar as he cultivates and enjoys them in holiness, so he frees sense. their souls. Yeah, He who prays and, sting and sings in holiness, eats and speaks in holiness, in holiness performs the appointed ablutions, and in holiness reflects upon his business. Through him, the sparks which have fallen will be uplifted, and the world which has fallen will be delivered and renewed. It is given to humans to lift up the fallen and to free the imprisoned, not merely to wait, not merely to look on, humans able to work for the redemption of the world. The work is not yours to finish, Rabbi Taffron said, but neither are you free to take no part in it. Hmm. As Annie Dillard. <laughs> I have things this marked that I Dillard. love to read, and I was like, oh, this must be Paul Tillich. Like, I was like, I'm reading, I'm like, this is Annie this Dillard. This is not Paul Tillich's voice. Um, Whoosh. Yeah, so I guess my question would be, um, how do I phrase this in a simple way? Um, what, 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 what is yours to be curious about? What is yours to be curious about? We're all given something, you know. Mm. I'll leave it at that. My question is kind of different, obviously. I feel like that's it's my question is an interesting thing because it almost answers your question in a way, but it's kind of two questions. Response to? Response. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, response to. Yeah, interesting. (laughs) There it is. Um, When's the last time you went on a play date, and what's an ideal play date for you? Mm. Mm. Seems unrelated, but I don't think it is. (laughs) We'll make that fit somehow. We'll leave those two questions with all of you with our Barefoot Tomeus community and all of our siblings joining us from the No Small Things community. May you find wonder in the mundane, hope amidst the chaos, and comfort 
in the love that makes you you. Go in peace.